Come on kids, now gather round Grab a log and sit right down What's that smell? What's that sound? You're on fire, now hit the ground It's the campfire shit show And now, your camp counselors Bo Hufford and Meryl Climo. I am so excited for this week. Tell me everything. Usually I'm like, a, you know, excited, excited. This week I'm very excited. You're triply excited? Yeah. Mm. Uh, now, this week was an interview that we did while at Podcast Movement. Yeah. It was a few weeks ago, but yeah. we were still the same person that we are today. We haven't changed much. No. But our excitement has not waned <laughs> for who we're about to talk to. I know we're flipping <laughs> into tenses. <laughs> we're talking with Gabby Dunn. Now, many of you may know them. They are an author actor you may recognize them from buzzfeed the very popular youtube show just between us and a best-selling book and podcast bad with money yes yes i'm very excited for this i'm actually really excited too gabby's super cool i don't want to really fuck around let's just get into it okay let's do it let's go okay We're here. Hello. Hello. Hi. Okay, my first question. I saw on your Instagram that you met Mark Cuban yesterday, <laughs> and that was so exciting. We, I made Bo get to the... We went to go see him speak, and we woke, We were there by like an hour before, and I'm like, there will be thousands like, of there, people. There are so many people in the, in the area. We have to get there to get close seats. I'm uh-huh. like, okay, and I'm like up at like five, like, all right, I'm getting ready, putting my makeup on, uh-huh. and we got there, and literally, we were the only two ones... I took a video of like an entire empty stadium or empty. That is weird. Yeah, I think people just came in like 15 minutes before they were not like psycho. Yeah, and then for it to only kind of be a Mark Cuban product announcement. Yeah, and Mm -hmm. and and sort of a commercial. I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, like I, I mean, that's what you do. Yeah, and of course you've got to do it, but. I think most people wanted to have some sort of inspiration about podcasts Uh and the future of or the whatever. And it was just like, buy my product. And I was like, okay. But I will. You looked over at me expecting it. I'm like, I will buy anything that Mark Cuban offers. Yeah. And I was like, okay. Yeah. I went, he had a, um, like a thing with like certain, like a a dinner with like certain podcasters to, to get invited to, to come to. Um, I always find networking stuff like that pretty boring. Uh, but I ran, I met, the like Muslim mommy podcasters oh, cool. who do mommying while Muslim. And I, they like adopted me into their fold for some reason. And then I just hung out with them the whole time. And, uh, and then we got to meet Mark and like the idea is to maybe try to have him on my podcast. Bad with yeah. Money. Oh yeah. Amazing. Yeah. That would make sense. N- yeah. Maybe I'm a, of a mixed feel. I watch shark Chank as like someone who's anti-capitalist and I have a lot of weird mixed feelings about it. Um, and I think it's kind of like a, f- a weird charade where it's like, come in, poor person, pitch me your life yeah. savings. <laughs> I, rich person, do not care. Goodbye. Be gone. Yeah. yeah. So it's sort of interesting. But so is, is the point uh, of that dinner sort of to pull you into that new app? Yes, yeah, correct. It's definitely, they're trying to get all these people like, come on our, our little medium. Yes, which yeah. is like, I think good. I mean, I, there's tons of apps that are like, come on our app and we'll um, help you do a live show. And honestly, like as long as it facilitates it correctly, like sure. We've done live shows through another app um, for my other podcast. And we haven't done, we've done live bad with money podcast episodes like 
in like you know a tour like a theater yeah, and stuff yeah. uh but we've never done one over the internet uh so even during the pandemic which probably would have been a good idea but uh, we just started posting video clips like this season i'm very behind <laughs> <laughs> are, you, is it, are you just a one a one vey show no no I, <laughs> no i've always had a network um and and so the network i'm with now cumulus is great uh and they are helping a lot with like promoting with like audiograms and Mm -hmm. you know all this kind of stuff to to promote the show but it just it really depends on the network you're with and how how much they have sort of motivated me where they like made a schedule and they were like this is how much you'd need to be promoting the show and it's different from um your usual zero and i was like (laughs) (laughs) and i was like okay so i said yes to it and then i was like let's just see if the you know the fan base on instagram like cares and um and then they do but you have to kind of keep them you have to have good people otherwise they like we two weeks ago had Elizabeth Warren, which was no, I didn't, yeah, I didn't do that. Like her people reached out, really, yeah, which is like completely bizarre. But I'm not really supposed to say it's bizarre because um, they're like, no, don't act like it's so weird because then people, then like famous people will think it's weird to cut. Like they had like this whole thing where that because I was like that's pretty crazy that yeah. this person emailed like, you know, whatever. And then they had me sort of cut from the intro, like any, any reference to that being sort of um, nuts because they were like, no, just make it seem like you always have like cool people like on. Like you and Elizabeth Warner. High yeah. Like just, yeah. Just like make it seem like you always have like, cause then if another famous person listens to it, they'll be like, Oh, this was a fluke or something. So I had to like present it as if like Elizabeth Warren, huh? Just <laughs> another day. <laughs> me and Liz were hanging out. That I seems, feel, oh, oh no, Go I was just gonna say that seems, um, <laughs> I, just want, I just want to say this seems that's it no because uh, I've been seeing that more with even like Dr. Fauci and you know reaching out to like Olivia Rodrigo right, it seems like there's yeah. more of it's, and like uh, I forget who we even talked with you know it seems like well, more that's because of, everyone knows that's who the, the youth yeah, the yeah. quote unquote youth of America are listening to right, like yeah. not in music but just as like they want to know what these people think and it's like Elizabeth Warren doesn't really have her her yeah. finger on the pulse of the youth. Right. So it's yeah. like Cardi B and like Joe right, Biden right, are talking right, right. and stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's very, I, I think I'm like, you know, there's some intern who likes me, I guess, and was like, come go on the show. I had like, <laughs> I had another person who's like a very kooky woo woo person, um, famous person, which I can tell you afterwards, reached out and was like the intern, the, the, was like, I'm the booking agent for that person. And like, I'm a huge fan of like you and, um, and your, you know, the other podcast you do just between us and like, would love to have them on bad with money. And I was like, cause I had, I had reached out to a bunch of celebrities. I was like, this makes sense. Like, of course, the person who's like completely like in space <laughs> is is like their intern loves me. Like that makes complete sense. So like it's just kind of it's it's been a lot of um, because I started doing stuff so young uh, and like have been on the Internet since I was like 21 doing like stuff. There's fans now who are old enough to be um middle management at places or yeah. like you know like so like it'll yeah. be some executive's daughter is finally old enough to like be working with her dad right and who's like you should like i wanted this um i wanted this this famous drag queen to come on the podcast and so i sent my book along and 
she like read it and was like, okay, cool. Yeah, maybe like in my schedule. But then she was holding it. And this is what I heard of her. She was holding it. And her assistant was like, oh my God, I'm obsessed with Gabby. And she went, <laughs> okay, here you go. And gave the book. And I was like, that's that's the level I'm at where the assistant is like, oh my God. And the actual person is like, sure. Yeah, that's funny. I'm, I'm 38. And to me, I was telling about you're you're always one of the like kind of like cool internet, like, you know, girls of, you know, like where yeah, I, yeah, and yeah. I'm like, I wonder if that's your, um, yeah, because I feel like it's girls my age too that are yeah so you know. they're all like very excited they're at the level where like they're starting to become executives uh-huh. um, but like not yet so there'll be like someone at, at Universal who I'll meet with who like has some power and they'll be like I've been watching you since I was 12 and I'll be like oh my god that's so funny so, so can I ask you I want to go back to kind of the beginning of you and like mm-hmm. how you, you obviously started this out of love you wanted to get into just putting your message or your conversations mm-hmm. out when was the moment that it like flipped and you were like, oh, fuck, this is real. This is like became, becoming real. Well, I used to work for a, a website called Thought Catalog, which was like if you lived in New York in like 2010 to 2012, it was like the biggest deal. Um, it was like this huge website. And I'm always sort of on the ground. Like I'm always sort of the original cast of something. So mm-hmm. like... So like there were like, you know, five or six of us who were like the big name writers at that website just because that's like when it started. I just ran into an old coworker actually and uh, and he was like trying to explain to the other people at the party like you don't like there was like this this group of six of them and they were like these big deal whatever. Um, and so that was interesting because I got access to a lot of stuff in New York. Like I got I like met a bunch of people who were like very f- big literary people at the time who uh, were boring and then uh I, and then like the people I worked with were were very great um and so I was like really I was like that was the first stuff that I was writing that was like getting so many hits and so many comments um and and but then it was like this thing where I had to like churn stuff out like three articles a day and like uh. it was like a really fast pace um and I really cared what the comments said as I was just starting mm-hmm. right um and then from there, I, I started working at like a I so like then I had some momentum on the Internet and I had started when I left college, I had started a Tumblr blog. And at the time, nobody was really writing long form on Tumblr. The people that were writing like blogs on Tumblr were like me, this girl, Alita Nugent and Aziz Ansari. Like those Whoa. were the only people that were really doing it. And so uh, the blog got really popular and then um, I felt a lot of pressure to like write and make it good and like was like tearing my hair out and had a day job and would like just I made my partner at the time insane. And then um, and then from the blog, I got a literary agent, but didn't lead to a book. I did like a bunch of proposals, didn't lead to a book, but I had a literary agent. And then I wrote on the blog because I saw that I had all these whatever and so i wrote on the blog like do any of you guys work in hollywood and if you do do you want to talk to me and um and two people did like you know wow. out of like the tw- fifteen thousand people that read wow. the blog one was an exec at nickelodeon and one was an agent at gersh who ended up being my first agent and then i like wrote a, a script I don't have any training writing a script. I don't, yeah. I, I, I read book, I read like screenwriting for dummies. And then, cause back then that was the only way to get information, right? Yeah. I mean, I read, I read like screenwriting for dummies. I, I, 
I watched, truly watched episodes of The Big Bang Theory because it's so formulaic. <laughs> so right. I was sitting with a notebook. I remember writing, like watching episodes of The Big Bang Theory and writing down like per minute what when the jokes are yep. and what jokes, like who says the joke and who says the setup and who says the joke and how it's timed and everything. Wow. Uh, the, it looks like a notebook. It looks like a notebook where I'm planning to kill Jim Parsons. Like, <laughs> it's, like, it's like an assassination book. You're just trying to learn the beats of this. Yeah. And so then I wrote a script and it was like fine. I revisited it recently and I was like, this is actually okay. But um, but that was like my sample. And so then I like I ended up moving to L.A. and I had this boyfriend who was like um, kind of a, a like loser guy. And mm. I was like. Uh, come move to LA with me and he was like yeah sure and then I moved to LA and he was supposed to come a month later and then like about three weeks later, he was like I'm not coming so mm -hmm. then I, and then I just stayed in LA um, and then it just kind of kept doing stuff from there and then I got a job and then I got a job at BuzzFeed from a guy who used to read my blog see that's awesome um, and then I worked at BuzzFeed for like literally like less than a year and and but I was in the original cast of of characters that like were popular at BuzzFeed. I always feel like I'm like literally like the SNL original cast. And yeah. Then, and then I leave. But so like it's, it was a similar thing that happened at Thought Catalog where I became like the original cast of characters for BuzzFeed video. And then that just got so popular yeah. and like so. And then that was like kind of a cult. Um, and it was like there was a lot of pressure to like create within the group and have friends only within the group and date within the group really? and everything. Really? Yeah. They wanted to like have your whole life. Um, and it was also very stressful. And then um, my uh, partner who I do the just between us podcast with, she was there too. And we ended up getting a, a pilot deal at MTV. So we left and then um, that pilot fell through. And then it's sort of just been me. I work in, I work in TV now, like, behind the scenes and I, I'm a writer and I pitch TV shows and sell them and write books and I then that sort of I started doing stuff on my own I love how you say when I write books I'm like you're a best-selling author <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, yeah like, it just kind like of took off it, 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 it started to take off on its own but I always find it funny when BuzzFeed is like claims that they made me oh, because yeah. by the time I was working at BuzzFeed I already had a fan base from Thought Catalog mm -hmm. so BuzzFeed will like claim me and I'll be like, when I joined you, I already had like 30,000 fall. You know what I mean? Like right. I, I came to you already with a fan base. So if anything, it came from Thought Catalog. Is that still around today? It is, but it's different. It's not in the same form. But it was, it was, and it was very like, everyone was so young and it was like such a mess and everyone was on so many drugs. And like I... Like I remember I had <laughs> I remember I had this is a shit show. I remember <laughs> I had um dinner with like one of the top like CFO or CEO or one of the, I'm not I'm not going to out who it was. One of the top people. And he at dinner must have been on coke or something and he was playing that game where you stab the knife through oh, your like fingers. Oh, like the Yeah, yeah. And he stabbed himself in the <gasps> hand and bled everywhere and then and then that was like yeah, I mean that, and that was like a Tuesday. <laughs> um, so it was a wild place to work. But they, but like I, I ran into a friend who, you, I knew like you know eight years ago or ten years ago, and he was like, hey, at a party, and he was like, 
hey, we know each other. And I was like, we, and he was like, I'm, you know, so, and, so, and I recognized his name. And I was like, oh, we like fell on each other. Like we had been at war. Like I was like, oh my God, hi. Oh, <laughs> like we've made it through. Oh my God. So good to see you, man. You survived. <laughs> well, well, I don't want to mention her name, but we have a friend that does some stuff with BuzzFeed too. And, and you know, even just, I mean, I know you were talking about Thought Catalog, but yeah. it seems like she has some BuzzFeed story. It, it looks it's a trauma- lot different. It's traumatic. I think, yeah. I think everyone our age looks at that like, <laughs> Those are the cool people. That's why, but then being on the inside, she's like, eh, it's a little different than you would think. It was but, traumatic. Yeah. I mean, they mine your trauma. Like something bad will happen to you. And the next day they'll be like, you should make a video about that. And I'm like, I don't know that I want. Okay. Because you're <sighs> like rewarded. Yeah. For going viral. And so I see all these people still like making these very vulnerable videos. Mm. And I'm like, you, they own that. Mm-hmm. And also like, if you made that video on your own channel, that you would be making all that money. That's yeah. how I felt like mm. when I started doing the bad with money stuff, I did a lot of like on camera interviews and I sort of stopped doing that because I realized that the person making the video is making all the money off of me being interviewed. Right. But if I just said that same story on my own show, then I get all the money. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I didn't have and I would have creative control. Whereas like in I did some videos for CNBC and I and they like. It, 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 I, it, they edited it in a way that like made me look bad. Really? Yeah. And so I was like, I was like, why did I do that? I could have just made my own video. Yeah. Right. And controlled your own and message. And controlled the message and done like, yeah. They, they, so then I, that was sort of like a beginning learning curve where I was like, oh, it's like, oh my God, I get to make a video for BuzzFeed. And it's like, right, but BuzzFeed, you get 3 million views and BuzzFeed makes that money. And yeah. what do you make? A pat on the head. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I think I think most people from the outside looking into the industry, whether that be Hollywood or New York, or mm-hmm. anything, they all think like, "Wow, you're you're killing it." You work at like I have a friend that works at Nickelodeon. And yeah, like, you work at Nickelodeon. It's like, yeah, it's not as glamorous as yeah. everyone thinks. That it, you're not just like you know because and you work doing, for a salary, right? Yeah. Everyone shows that like behind the scenes video of like mm-hmm. Disney or any studio mm-hmm. SNL. It's like you're seeing the best parts, this yeah. imaginary world. The reality of working there is like not you know people aren't playing hockey on their uh, you know office stools across the thing as much as you think they are yeah and it's also like you know i think you feel lucky to work there which is really sinister because uh, like with thought catalog um they i when i was there under salary they started thought catalog books and so they were like okay write a book for us and Mm. i was like amazing i get (laughs) to write a book so i wrote a book for them but they were like, well, we don't have to give you an advance because you're writing the book on on company time. So instead of doing your usual articles, you'll we'll pay you your salary to write the book. Oh and I was gosh. like, OK, that seems fair. And then I wrote it and then they own it. And then they bought it like outright from me through my salary. So anyone. So then I got more popular. And when I was at BuzzFeed, that book sold really well. And so anyone who buys that book, I mean, it's a fine book, but anyone who buys that book, they're like, I'm supporting you. And I'm like, no, you're not because they've kind of paid me out and, but not paid me out. Like here's extra money paid me out, like paid me my salary to write this book. And like, I didn't realize that that's like a bad contract. Right. I mean, and the way you have to think of it now is just like, well, it put me to the next part, right? Yeah, I just have to be like, I just have to, and I just have to be like, you can like buy that. Like, that's probably full of nice stories, I think. I have no, I don't remember. Uh, But yeah, like you, now I realize that that's sort of them 
take it's like taking advantage of the workforce that's already there like mm-hmm. i'm gonna do my work but like if i'm gonna do a book for you guys like you should you should give me a little more incent- incentive yeah. for that because that's going to sell right whereas like my it's just like contract it's just like honestly like when you're young like you don't read any contracts mm-hmm. and like you know even with buzzfeed like my contract with them is like they own my image in perpetuity. So I'll still get, you know, fr- uh, fans like messaging me to be like, they used a video of you on their Snapchat. And it's like a video of me from like five years ago mm-hmm. or more. But they, you know, they'll be like, they'll use my image on their Snapchat. I mean, literally, right. This is how I felt when I left, which is like right now they could take everything, every video I did for them, put it together Put it in a special called like BuzzFeed Presents Gabby Ugh. Dunn. Sell that to Netflix and they don't have to give me anything. That's wild. They're not going to do that because they hate me. But they, but you know what I mean? Like they could do that <laughs> and they don't owe me anything for that. Right. So right. that's um, a little weird. Bad with BuzzFeed. That will be the next, <laughs> the next book. I've, ta- I've talked about them a lot on my show. I love that you're open about that too. That's... That's well, cool. people need to read when you're first starting to work for a place. You need to read your contract. Yeah. And you need to you need to like advocate for yourself. Yeah. Um, I remember Allison's dad, who's a lawyer. Allison's who I do my other show with and who worked at BuzzFeed with me. When we got our contract, Allison's dad, who's a lawyer, went through it and gave notes on the contract. And we gave it back to BuzzFeed saying like, OK, our lawyer said this. And um, and they were like, no, that's our standard contract. Like you have to sign it. And they like wouldn't take, they wouldn't allow us to have a lawyer look at it. That's a red flag. Yeah. 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 I feel like you'd be the, he talks, he slows me down. I'm always like, yes, 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 we'll sign everything. We'll, Mark Cuban will sign anything. And Bo's always like, I've take too, a minute, I'm like, calm yourself. I'm not like, like you, but like, mm-hmm. uh, I've learned a lot of lessons in like, oh, we could have asked for more. We could yep. have done something different. Absolutely. We just, we just agreed to the terms because we were so excited to be part of it. Right. And then you realize like, I just got taken advantage of and yep. I need to be smarter. That's ultimately the, the I lesson. say always ask the other other people involved what they're getting paid. Mm. Always. Um, because like I've had so many instances where like, well, there was one instance where I was speaking at a festival and this girl messaged me who was also speaking at the festival and was like, what are they paying you? And I was like, oh, they're paying me like $500. And she was like, okay, they're paying me 250 And I was like, all right, we'll go back to them and say, Gabby Dunn told me that they're getting paid a double. And I was like, tell them I sent you. Who cares? <laughs> and then they, I was like, what are they going to do? Pull my segment? Like, right. okay, no sweat off my back. And so they were like, um, so then she did that and they upped her pay. Really? Yeah. yeah because they don't want to look like assholes. Yeah. Right. So it's just a matter, like, cause I know sh- people We should have- be more comfortable with talking about how much we make, how much things are. Uh-huh. I think uh, so many people are like, oh, that's private information. But like, why don't we just discuss it? It's oh my not god! A big deal. And it and it helps things, and it like shows you what you're valued at your company and stuff. Like my, um, I fucking hate when they go, "What do you, what would be a good salary for you?" But mm-hmm. anyway, so oh yeah, and like I get a <laughs> I lot hate of free, that. I hate that. It's so common with a lot of the freelance projects I do, where they're like, "What's your budget?" And I, I was like, "You're hiring me for something." Yeah, and, what's your budget? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but they're like. They want to like undersell you. And so I'm like constantly like my friend is trying to get a book deal and she's like her work is really important. And she's like, what should I ask for? And I was like, you should get six figures for your book and nothing less. Um, And that's because and there's a lot of like race involved in that. Like so she's a black woman and like 
I've talked to, I, I had a real rude awakening when like I got my book advance for, for one of my books and it was like very high. And then I spoke to a, a black woman author who is much more famous than me much more famous than me and her advance was like half that really uh. yes and i was like what the fuck and like so then with my friend now she's like well what should i ask for and i was like you should ask for six figures because they're gonna try to fucking undercut you mm-hmm. because you're a black woman so don't let them um and it's like just really really insidious and that's why they don't want you to talk to each other mm-hmm. i'm so naive i feel so ignorant sometimes when i hear things like that because i'm like really yeah like, it's like it's clear i'm i'm a fucking middle-aged white man <laughs> <laughs> right? like of course i'm supposed to be yeah yeah yeah, but it's like, yeah i think about it, like why are people doing that like that doesn't make any sense but that's my naivety being so like it, living in this positive world like well i wouldn't do that so why would anyone yeah. else do that yeah but, it's but it, very it's strange crazy. and crazy. yeah i mean we were just talking in a very honest way i feel like podcasting is a, a a good ahead of its time medium where i think like you know people of color black creators like i think that we're definitely like i think mm-hmm. they give there's a lot of space for to help people and to collaborate whereas mm-hmm. i think it's like you know the old traditional ways were kind of I remember YouTube like had a big problem with promotion where like YouTube was promoting a lot of white creators and not Mm -hmm. and and it's I mean also YouTube like censors queer content a lot of the time like we've well yeah being a bisexual was interesting on YouTube because we would do these sketches all the time and if it was a sketch where I like you know we would do like um storylines and stuff so like if it was a, a an episode where my character like had a girlfriend or like kissed a girl uh the episode would get like censored or striked really but if i but there was an i remember this is like i remember this so clearly there was like an episode where i'm dating a girl and so we like kiss in the beginning of the episode like briefly uh and that episode got striked but there was an episode where i the one of the jokes is that like this in pat it's a very small joke but it's like i me and Allison are at brunch with different partners and it's like the joke is like we what, what it's like with these different boyfriends and girlfriends and in one part of that the guy I'm dating is like fingering me under the table <laughs> and that's like the joke and and like that one was fine wow so I was like I literally peck a girl on the lips yeah. here no problem this sketch I'm getting fingered under the table completely fine because it's a man damn it was really wild to see you I'm could go through and watch gonna, I want to watch I'm, you can I, go through on my on the back end of my channel channel the channel and see what has been what has strikes and what doesn't and it's like very clear yeah well and i was going to ask too do you find that is there anything with your podcast um now that you pretty much cover every topic in fact i was just listening to an episode i really liked it you had i was talking about like the consumerism of conspiracy theories and i love (laughs) that and i'm definitely you know i I float back and forth between the worlds and i definitely view it as like a funny humorous thing Mm -hmm. not you know not to get, get like too attached to the stuff but you had a really interesting take where you were talking about the like people cashing in on basically yeah the, I was like I've never thought of that perspective in a way of- I really loved what the one of the guests said um where she was like uh um Alex Jones's show is a merch store with a show yeah like it's a merch store like it's selling you products and then they just have to do this show in order to sell the products right and I was like, oh, man. Yeah. And that expands so much further of like just thinking, you know, money, how we handle our personal money is one yeah. thing, but how we view what we're being sold and we may not even know it. And what's funny. 
I yeah. think that's on the back end of a lot of things because if you look at the movie industry, right? Right. Or especially kids' movies, mm-hmm. the things that are in the movies are only there because they're like, this toy would be cool. Exactly. And people yeah. would buy it. I mean, even, like I said, I have a friend at Nickelodeon. He's saying, like, he's creating a show right now and they're asking him to put certain characters uh-huh. in because that will sell to uh-huh. this demographic. Yeah. I'm like, so you're molding a show based on the consumer part Correct. of it. It's so wild to think, yeah. but of course. Jungle Cruise. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I was like half the, a lot of, if you watch these movies, a lot of them you see, there's, there's some sort of action sequence that you go, oh, they're making that a ride. Yep. And you're like, yep. okay, I yep. get it. <laughs> Not that I I love the Monsters Inc. ride. I'm not gonna complain, but like I just, it's it's so fun, um, and I am a person who I'm like a not I don't want to say I'm a Disney adult, but I like love going to Disney. Yeah, it's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a difference too. <laughs> yeah, to yeah, Disney yeah. I love adult. going to Disney. Well, my partner was like. My partner hates it because my partner's like a punk musician. And <laughs> I we went and I was like, take a picture. This was like pre-COVID. And I was like, take a picture with me in front of the Magic Kingdom. <laughs> and like my, they were like, I really don't want to. Like, I really don't want to be in a picture in front of the Magic Kingdom. It's like not cool for my brand. <laughs> and I was like, and I was like, come on. Like, it's, it's romantic or whatever. And they were like, I really don't want to. And then, so then they didn't. And then their sister texted them like, you're so mean. Happy wife, happy life. Like, why would you... <laughs> <laughs> but like they just they just were like I really don't want to and so it's just a lovely photo of me by myself wearing <laughs> oh my gosh. wearing um ears fully wearing ears that I bought with like a with like a oogie boogie like um oh no a dole whip I'm holding a dole oh, whip oh yeah the pineapple and it's I'm so like, good yeah Oh, she's in having the best time. I was like, "You're missing out." Uh, we would, we would. Uh, I used to do like morning radio, and they would send us to Disney, <gasps> but, but they would get really mad because I would only post like conspiracy stuff. I'd be like, "Well, Disney hated Jewish people." Well, anyway. absolutely. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. here's the problem, right? So Disney is evil. While yeah. Disney hated Jewish people, Disney like uh, owns Star Wars and like edits queer stuff out of Star Wars. Like, I get it. Yeah, I'm not a role model. <laughs> it's still fun. I know. I go. You're a doll model. I'm a Dole Whip model. (laughs) I go every, I go, I usually go every Halloween. And then um, this year we missed Halloween. And so then my sister and I were like, okay, well, let's just go for Christmas. Because I like when it's decorated. Yeah, yeah. And so we were like, okay, so we went for Christmas. And we were like, uh, well, we started being like, maybe we won't go this year. And then we we're like, no, no, no. You know what? Let's go for Christmas. We always go for Halloween. Let's go for Christmas. So we went like January 2nd. Oh my God. And then now we're like, thank God we went because we would not like, yeah. Didn't we go in February? We or were, the weekend before no, it the was lockdown. Week before the lockdown. Holy we went, shit. And people are already talking about it, but yeah. it wasn't like real. And we have a podcast like the week after where we yeah. were like, we have a sore throat. <laughs> I'm like, maybe we should edit that out. Like, you know, you yeah. don't think about it because like you're touching every banister uh-huh. into every ride and you're like, now you look at that kind of idea very right. differently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That builds our immunity. and boiling your hands after going out. I was in Times Square on March 4th. Oh, oh my gosh, really? Yeah, we had a brand deal. Me and Allison had a brand deal with a um, Asian skincare company. And because my life is Mad Libs. <laughs> and um, so we had a You're brand like, promoting fish fillets. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sure. And so we like went 
and it was and so like there was this big thing and it was tied to the olympics and so it was this big thing being like tokyo 2020 2020 olympics um you know in times square this huge thing and then we got to go for our podcast we got to interview simone biles so that's why we went oh, wow oh, awesome. so that was super cool so we went into that um and then uh and then it was like this big campaign and then and then like two seconds later they like canceled the olympics and like we flew home i flew home from times square and i was like i'm gonna die oh. and like all the stuff and and uh i have this like harrowing video of allison um wearing gloves in times square and i'm like making fun of her oh my gosh yeah and then and then because uh, she has severe ocd so i'm joke. i'm like look at her she's been preparing for this shit her whole life like making fun <laughs> of her and then um and then she was right and i was wrong yeah and and uh now i have a sweatshirt from that event that's like tokyo olympics march 4th through 6th like you know skincare uh whatever blah, blah, blah. and that'll be like a that'll be like a really what's the word like a really harrowing token oh, like a really yeah. harrowing vintage sweatshirt yeah. at some point yeah i try to save like um at the the conference that we were just at that you could wear buttons which yeah. you know the red yellow yeah, or green yeah, yeah. which i actually thought was a good idea and like good for them for trying to at least do something to make yeah. people feel comfortable but i took photos of that because i feel like that's going to be a really historic thing i was doing a lot in the very beginning of the pandemic i walked around my neighborhood and took a lot of pictures yeah because every it was like there's no one on the street yeah, it's wild. everything is empty everything is closed down I took like a very like sad photo of like someone's uh, an empty street and then someone's house has a Bernie sign on it Aww. and I was like this is gonna be uh just a moment in time yeah yeah <laughs> I have I wanted to ask you a couple questions about just having uh, a co-host and mm. sort of sharing that sort of situation because that's something uh -huh. that we deal with a lot you've got different personalities mm -hmm. you kind of grow up together in ways mm -hmm. and as I looked you up online there's a lot of talk about like are they friends anymore does anybody you know yeah. they like each other I kind of want to ask you like what was that like coming up with someone what have been the challenges and then with the opinion of the everyone in the world uh -huh. how does that affect your relationship um, we have gone through a lot of phases. I call, I refer to her now as my like beloved ex-wife. <laughs> um, and that is sort of the dynamic. Like we're like, we like our ex-wives who like are kind, like we're, we work together and, um, I, it, it really, I mean, we're very different people. Um, and then we started working together and we started getting really popular and people are like, we're sort of like, oh, they're best friends. Um, but we had like known each other for like three months or uh -huh. when we got promoted as like the BFFs. Um, and it's, it was like, su you know, I feel like it went through like this big honeymoon phase. We were super like obsessed with each other. And then like, um, you know, there's, it's gone through like tons of phases. And of course, like you get compared to each other and like the eyes are on you for like our, what's, you know, what are you doing separately? What are you doing together? And, um, like definitely like it's interesting. We like met this other podcast duo and they were like, oh, we don't fight. And Allison and I were like, then we like <laughs> got in the car after and we were like, what a bunch of weirdos. Like, cause I think like it's normal to fight. You're both creatives. You have different, I mean, we have an episode coming out like in the next couple of weeks where we just wholly disagree on what art is mm -hmm. and like what, what it means to create art and what it means to be an artist. And this is an argument we've been having for like four years. Like we <laughs> are very different um, 
in terms of like, I mean, we have the same work ethic, which is great. And like, that's kind of been the thing that that really worked out for both of us is that we both like to finish things. Yeah. So that's really all it is, is like we are both people who complete stuff and finish things and like are, are, you know, I, I don't even want to say ambitious, but are just like we have follow through. And that was the big thing that we had in common was that we both had follow through. And um and then but then like when it comes down to like what you want to make, it's just very it's just very different. Um, and, you know, we disagree on um, on some like political stuff and uh, it, it's in like, you know, it's it's but like at the same time, you know, her her uh, fiance left her like in November of last year and she texted me about it and I and she was like, oh, I'm not going to be able to do the show and I was like, girl, fuck the show. What? Like, like I was yeah. like, uh, so then basically she went catatonic for like a month and I took care of our entire business. And like, that's the kind of thing where like, you know, it, you have someone who can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, I definitely I have had like in, like instances where I just haven't been able to like do, you know, haven't been able to pull through, haven't been able to do it. And um, and she can like pick it up and mm-hmm. do it. And um but we're just like incredibly different. Um, and I don't know, you know, we went through phases where like we were very close for a while. We drifted apart. We were close again. Um, and there was it's this thing where there's no it just like gets to it got to be very codependent, mm-hmm. like at a certain point, And it, there was like um, and we just have different standards for friendship. Like she's very uh I can be a little bit hard to get a hold of <laughs> and mm-hmm. she's um and that would like you know I think hurt her feelings or she's very like feelings she's very she wants like a lot of emotion from you and I'm very like intimacy is gross so like you know there's a lot of you'd be on our team I don't think we've ever like hugged or anything I mean we yeah. were but yeah we were just talking about how like yeah it works sometimes when both people are like talk to you in two weeks that was a great podcast yeah episode. Like, I think like that I'm very um yeah I think I th- I mean we go through phases like and and then we had like a you know we've we've talked about it on the internet we had like a big blowout fight um and then and then we were still doing the podcast but it was like really hard to see each other and we were talking about how like you know I felt like going into court to see your your really? ex-wife like we would go in to do the podcast and then like I would go back to my car and cry like it was like it was like every so often it's like a breakup I've like joked that it's like we break up and get back together break up and get back together uh-huh. um so I don't know I mean but like it's it 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 reminds me of why we're different when like we just the argument we just had on air that was like about um art and creating art and like the the sort of what I want to what what I think is mo- like mo- can motivate you. I mean we're different. I she wants to be she wants to make things that are perfect and when and when she's like kind of asked to. And she and I am a little bit more of a self-starter. Mm-hmm. So I mean, and then, but then she can be very down on herself where like, she kept being like, I don't have anything. I don't have anything. And I was like, you're literally writing, like your book comes out next year. Like you're literally writing a book. Yeah. And she'll be like, yeah, but I don't have anything else. And I'll be like, no, but, but no, uh, you said you have nothing. Then I pointed out the book. Then you said you have nothing else. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So now you're just (laughs) 
so you're finding flaw you're finding yeah. it yeah so i mean then it just kind of and i it, and it was like tough love where i was sort of yelling at her and then at the end of the episode i was like i want to apologize for yelling love at allison i uh, <laughs> was being very like it's like scared straight at her um so it just depends like i find sometimes her be her her being hard on herself is hard is like for hard for me to deal with and so i try to like remove myself from negativity but um it's it's where she we're different we're different and so we're still i mean we're still friends but she has a, just a lot of different perspectives on friendship and and um and the intensity of friendship and then also like a, about her own work which i i think i think she is more talented than i think she thinks she is mm. do you pay attention to uh the comments and the people who comment on your uh, your relationship with her or what you're doing because you obviously have a huge following mm-hmm. so you've got people that have an opinion they think they know you just mm-hmm. because they know your your or work like I'm a her I'm I'm yeah. them I'm that person yeah. or do, you know do, like do you ever have to like do you ever look at that stuff or is it one of those things where you stay away I uh I generally like I don't read reviews I don't like to read reviews um to me reviews are not for me they're for someone who's p- thinking about listening or mm. thinking about yeah. reading the book uh. With with me and her, I there's it's interesting because when we posted the video talking about our fight um, and there were some people who responded by being like, this bummed me out. I don't like this. I like the fantasy of you guys being BFFs with no problems. Mm -hmm. And I don't like this. Right. And then there were other people who were like, I like this. This is vulnerable. This is real. Um, You know, this. But like, I think I think I. We both like she's seen as very uptight and very like, you know, the way that she was portrayed at the beginning of our being on the Internet. And I think that's not super true of her anymore. And I remember it was a huge deal when she she finally said on the Internet that she smokes weed. Everyone (sighs) lost their minds because it was like little like prude petite Allison like no but she's like a full pothead. (sighs) Um, (laughs) And I was like that was our big secret for a while. Uh because people saw me as like they were like oh gabby's like the you right. know like party whatever um and i was like i don't even smoke like and then um i feel you know that there's a perception of me as being i mean i play up being annoying for sure but like a perception of like that i'm not open to conversation that i'm not open to criticism that um that i'm just like this die hard sort of like I don't know what the word is like like I think I started out being like this super feminist but in a way wherein I didn't fully understand what that meant Mm -hmm. um, or what the the what I was saying really and um, and then I like so I I, you know it's I, I had a lot of trouble with coming out with the with using they them pronouns because I felt like people knew me as a certain way and they were gonna be disappointed and um really yeah because i kind of i i felt very upset at like this thing that happened on twitter which is why i don't have twitter where people were comparing me to other uh like cis bisexual women and i felt like kind of i was like why is this making me feel bad and gross and i don't like it and um and so i was like oh the perception of me is still this angry uh, like this this sort of angry person who's like wants to fight. So a lot of times the problem is is that 
when people want to come to me with criticism, they come to me with a tone already uh, there. Yeah. Because in their mind, I'm already fighting them. Uh, wow. It's very interesting to, if you looked at my DMs, like there's a lot of people who are having conversations with a fake version of me. Oh my God. That's what I was wondering. Mm-hmm. That's like, such a powerful thing. That's crazy. It's though, weird. Even though you try to put yourself out honestly, mm-hmm. there is some amplification, right? They'll come into the DMs and like, it, it'll be like we were in the middle of a conversation rather than a start. So they'll be like, well, I'm sure you think this and let me tell you why you're wrong. And a lot of times what's what hurts me is like what they're arguing, I agree with them. Yeah, I was. Yeah. I'm like, yes, that that is exactly right. Why are you talking to me as if? But in their mind, I must be against them. You're a brand, right? Yeah, it's you weird. You are a brand, and so they've decided what that brand is, mm-hmm. and you have some say in that, of course. Because, yeah. but like, people will go off. They don't get to know the uh, the every you. you know? No, and one of my one of the experiments that I did that was really bizarre was. Um, when everything was going on with um, with the settlements in uh, in Israel and and Palestine, I post I didn't post anything. I posted nothing. I was mm-hmm. not on social media all day, and because I have a uh, 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 someone that I was friendly with in high school who passed away in a in a suicide bombing, and um, so I just was like, this is triggering, and I don't want to be a part of this. So I I I wasn't online during that, and when I came back, my DMs were. Um, Equal parts people screaming at me that they were sure I was a Zionist and that they were and that here's why they know I'm a Zionist and I'm a jerk. And then and then they were arguing. I mean, multiple paragraphs arguing with a me who had not responded. Then there was exactly the same, almost the same amount of people in my DMs who were like, uh, you self-hating Jew, we know you're pro-Palestine. And then having a full argument, full argument with a fake me that they had deemed a traitor to the Jewish people. So like on both sides, I had said nothing. Yeah, yeah. And on both sides, they the argue, and it wasn't like, hey, can you say something about this? Like I, you know, whatever. It was both sides came at me with a tone of like, we already know what you're like. And I was like, what a weird experiment. Is that, I mean, What's your take on this? Is that your responsibility to have any take on it as a public person? Um, if I don't know enough, I don't want to. Like it's, I, I, I think it's dangerous when people start posting and they don't know anything about it. Yeah, right. Um, and so it's, I like, I, you know, this thing about like your silence is deafening or whatever. To me, I would rather people not say anything if they don't know what they're talking about. Right. Um, you know, we had that problem with Blackout Tuesday, right? With Black Lives Matter, where everybody was posting a black square. And then people were like, well, now it's making us it making it hard for us to find um, actual information about protests and, and, and things that are going on. Because if you went to the hashtag, everything was blacked out. And so people thought that they were doing good activism. But like what was actually happening was like, um, it was making it harder for people to find uh, information. And so like that's the kind of thing where it's like you you th- you think you're doing a, the, a good thing and the right thing. Um, but you, but it's like you're you know, you're not. And I think like you can post you can post like, hey, I support, you know, Black Lives Matter. Hey, I support Palestine, things like that. But just, but I don't think you have to say, I don't think you have to be like, now I'm the expert. Yeah. Now yeah. I'm the person. Yeah. You know, an inter- like a thing that happened, w- which was interesting was I, I came out as non-binary. I changed my pronouns. 
within and then in like within like a day 24 hours uh, there were like three three outlets being like we want to talk to you about it and i was like I'm not an expert like I've been out for a day like what do you want to interview me about and like one of the places I I did one of the interviews because it was going to be on television and I was like um and they were asking they said like oh well how can cis people be better allies to trans people and I was like I don't know because I've been out for a day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're like, let me give a week of doing like, this. Like, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. So, like, even if you are part of that group, I feel like, I I still feel like I don't have the right to be, like, posting all this stuff about it right. or, like, immediately become the face of, like, the non-binary celebrity because yeah. I don't know anything. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, I get the vibe, from, especially from your podcast, that you're good about at least being curious about what you mm-hmm. don't know and educating yourself which I think is the most powerful thing we can do you know yeah. you have experts on the subjects that you probably want to know more about and then you yeah. at least feel like you then can talk about like you know what you took away from that yeah and they want and 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 they want I think they want you to be you know the the vocal the face or whatever mm-hmm. of it I think truly like I talked about bisexuality on the internet and that was like my bread and butter but I think I talked about it on the internet like before I really knew enough yeah um and so you know it's I I try to pass the mic to other people I Mm -hmm. mean my you know and I find sometimes I find it very unfair because my partner um is a transmasculine person non-binary person who's been in music for like 10-15 years and no I was like how come nobody comes to you and asks you for an interview about this when you've been out for 10 years but they're like, oh, new and shiny. Yeah. Let's interview this person. And I was like, I don't have as many good things to say about this as like Mal does. My mm-hmm. partner, who's Mal Blum, a musician. I was like, Mal, why don't you interview Mal? But they like are just like, no, we want the new and shiny thing for the headline. And I'm like, right. But I don't know anything. And you're like, forget. Like, they'll always be like, top 10 new trans actors. And I'm like, that's wonderful. <sighs> what about the ones that actually have been working? Yeah. Like, let's talk to them. Yep. So yeah. I find it, that's a thing that I find a little bit annoying. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Um, so I want to talk just, I know we're, we're running I know, out of time. What time is it? I know. Yeah. I know. No, you're okay. I have so many oh, things. Oh, you're good. You're good. Are, are you sure? Okay. Yeah. It's, yeah. I want to okay. ask you about um, your uh, Bad With Money. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you wrote a book, correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. The book, uh, writing a book is hard. It took a year for me to do. I, uh... I just opened the Word doc and I said, you have to start typing. And so I've said this before, but I just like <laughs> started, I just went type, 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 mm. type, type, type. And like just started put trying to just put words down yeah. and like hit a word count. But like I ended up cutting, I think I, I wrote like 80,000 words. I ended up cutting it to like 60,000. Um, and I had an assistant who was, uh, who was helping me book interviews. So like I had like an advance and then I was like, I'll give that to someone else. Um, but <laughs> she was amazing. Uh, and so, and, and I had friends of mine who were doing transcription for me that I was paying. Um, and so that was helpful because my therapist, I started freaking out about writing the book. And my therapist was like, why don't you just ask for help? And I was like, ah, help. <laughs> good idea. <laughs> Because my idea was like, I'll do them all myself. And then it was like, and then it was like, do you know how many people who write books have assistants? And I was like, oh God, you're right. That's why they give you the advance so you can hire an assistant um, and not and not keep any money for yourself. <laughs> uh, so, because a lot of it too, like I assumed that that a lot of it came from the um, 
the publisher, but that's not the case. Like I, I hired the assistant, I hired the transcribers, I hired um, the the sensitivity readers. Like I pay all. It became like a mini empire. Um, I think that I am better with money now. I at least look at things. Mm-hmm. I open my mail. I read. I you know I I will take the time to like look through what this says. I ask questions of my accountant. Um, I I have like a separate card for business stuff, like which I didn't used to have. I I've I think like I think even wealthy people can be bad with money. Mm-hmm. I don't think it has to do with rich or poor. I think it has to do with like, are you paying attention? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's this book called Uneasy Street by Rachel Sherman that I love, where she just co- she just interviews rich people and like co- and like covers their lifestyles and stuff. And it's fascinating because there's one part where the there's like a family and the wife is like opens the credit card statement and is like, oh, we spent sixty five thousand dollars this month. Do you remember on what? And the husband's like, no. And she's like, I can't remember either. And to me, that's a person who's bad with money. Yeah. Yep. And they could just er they keep they keep earning it. But that doesn't mean they manage it well. Yeah. And there's like this this stigma she says where they (laughs) they'll she'll be like, do you guys feel like you're rich? And they'll be like, well, we don't have a private jet. Every single family is like their metric is a private jet. So they'll be like, oh, I mean, we're comfortable. We don't have a private jet. (laughs) And like, so I think like the the loss of perspective is a little bit like more bad with money. And then there's people who have no money who are actually really good with money. Yeah. Um, So people are like, oh, well, you've started making more money, which is true. But I'm also still there's things that I'm scattered about. There's things I could do better. Friend of mine just was like talking to me about the stock market and was like, you got to be doing this. You got to be doing this. And then I felt really dumb. So like, you know, there's still, there's still stuff that, um, there's always stuff to talk about in mine and, and friends to ask more questions of. And, you know, you, I have a friend who just, who bought a condo and my partner and I are like, maybe we want to get a little cabin, Mm -hmm. very inexpensive cabin. But I was like, well, I don't know anything about, like, I don't know how to, I don't know how you buy it. How do, what do you do? You go to the house and you say this one, I'll buy it. Like, <laughs> like what I do you do? And it's like, no, it's a whole process. Yeah. Um, and so like, I would never, if, when I first started the show, I would have kept that a secret. And now I like go to my friend and I'm like, tell me step by step what you did. Mm-hmm. So like the biggest thing of being good with money is, is talking to people. Yeah. Feeling comfortable asking your friends, feeling comfortable talking to the people around you. Cause the research shows that the people in your life are the most likely to be in the same economic sphere as you. Mm-hmm. Like your friends are going to probably have similar paying jobs, probably have like similar, maybe very different um, parental backgrounds in the sense that like you might find out, let's say that like I did that my friend's mom like set up a credit card or, or set up a bank account for her when she was 15 and so she's been like, wow. work, you know, she's yeah. been and I was like, oh, my God. So like they're set up for success, set up for yeah. success. Some people are. But but then even from those people, you learn. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's so, you know, it's it was it's been interesting, even like finding out friends that you think are really successful in their field. They'll be like, oh, I do like copywriting on the side. Like, mm-hmm. just like, tell me the truth. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. What about like, for me, I'm definitely not. It makes me feel really constricted to be like a coupon clipper or to really tighten the belt. Yeah. But then there's also this feeling of if I spend a lot, I'll manifest and it'll come back. So I've been trying to almost yeah. like I've worked on that in therapy of just being in the middle of yeah. not constricted. Do you feel like you're kind of one way or another? <laughs> like you tend to kind of. Um, 
Yes, but my partner has told me that I'm not allowed to buy things and then be upset. So like, <laughs> I'm not allowed like if you splurge. Then. Yeah, like yeah. if I splurge and then I'm and then I'm uh, upset. Like I'm not like it's. A, I mean, they're doing it in a nice way, but they're like, you cannot buy this and then in two days cry to me about yeah. money. Yeah, you are not allowed. And so and so it makes you think like, okay, okay, I won't. You know, like yes. I, I'll either get it and I have to just live with my choice. Yes. Yeah. Or I'm not going to get it. And I and I'll and I'll be like, this has saved me some tears. Totally. Like a $90 <laughs> dinner. It's like that was a beautiful dinner. Moving on. I'm not going to feel bad I'm, about I it. Can't, like, in two days, I can't then be like we got because I also am very impulsive. And um, so a thing that happens a lot is when I when I had like very little money, I would sell all my stuff. Mm-hmm. So I would and I have bipolar disorder. So I would get manic and I would sell all my books, all my clothes, like I would start selling my furniture, <laughs> like I would get rid of everything and then I'd have a bunch of cash, you know, on Craigslist or whatever, then I'd have a bunch of cash and I'd be like, ah, yes, I have a bunch of cash, good for me. But then I would need to buy new, you know what I mean? So it was like <laughs> okay, a crazy a cycle <laughs> yeah, yeah. of like, se- but like it made me feel secure because I would go, okay, well, I don't have any money, but you know what I do have? A chair to sell. Yeah, yeah. And so that and that behavior still exists. Like my, I was like a little manic and my partner was like, did you sell all your clothes? And I was oh like, oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, why did you do that? <laughs> I was like, so I don't know. <laughs> That's funny. So uh, is is that what the book is about for, for our listeners who maybe are Yeah, interested? the book is about like starting, how you start, where how to figure out what your family of origin taught you, how to undo that. Um, practical steps for each, you know, step, but then also personal stuff. I mean, my favorite chapter is the chapter about bipolar disorder where I talk about all the mistakes I made and all the things that happened and all the, the ways that I threw away money. And, um, and then in my other favorite chapter is about internships and about like, you know, how, how you were mistreated at an internship and what you can do about that and, um, how to ask for the right salary right out the gate and stuff. Mm. So it's, it's like a personal, uh, tome they call it financial memoir but i've heard from people that it's very helpful because it'll give you like all this advice and there's like you know at the end of each chapter there's tips and tricks and things like that um but it's also like hey we're not going to talk down to you like here's how i fucked up here's how you you know can feel better and we start very basic i love the idea because i do think and i've said this before it's like the things that we're missing when mm-hmm. we're growing up is sexual education and mm-hmm. money management. And if we could just yep. focus on those two things instead of like calculus, I, I feel know. like, or, or advanced. Yeah. You know, I mean, trigonometry. Are, yeah. I just don't think we need that as much as we need these other topics. People being yeah. bad with money is such a major problem. Yeah, and credit. I, I yeah, credit. Credit, yeah, credit, credit is like work, a, yeah, that's, know? it's so crazy. To, I didn't really, I definitely sabotaged my credit in college. <laughs> and then it was like, this has an impact. Like I had no clue. And then you credit finally figured out a t-shirt for it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Credit and, um, and, um, student loans. I mean, the fact that you're 18 years old signing up for $70,000 of loans. Mm-hmm. I mean, just, I think a, the younger generation is coming around. I hear from a lot of kids who are like, I'm going to community college or I'm going mm-hmm. to a state school because I know that I've been sold a lie that yeah. Harvard or Stanford is worth it. Um, and in and and so that's been, 
I think the newest generation is very aware of of the scam of it all. So that's good. Yeah. Do you think credit will go away down the road like that that system? <sighs> no, because they can use it to marginalize people. Yeah. So why not? I mean, the history of it is is horrible. If you look into the history of redlining or um, the ways in which uh, look up Levittown, which is like the ways in which they they kept um, black people from being able to get mortgages. I mean, it's just and it was like so purposeful. Like it is not like, oh, wow, like the ways in which like communities are segregated, like the quote unquote ghetto, like that was created on purpose. Mm -hmm, Like mm -hmm. there is no like you can't just be like, oh, well, like, you know, Latinx people live here and that's just where they've always lived. No, they were put there. Like it is 100 percent on purpose and credit scores are 100 percent purposefully racist and. Um, and like, you know, I mean, I get into in the book, like, why do you think there's so many payday loan centers exactly yeah. where they are? Yes. Like, yep, yep. it's, sure. it's, um, it's a trap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this is all so positive. I know. I'm <laughs> sorry. No, I'm no you're amazing. Uh, that's so funny. That's, that's funny. Uh, I know we got to wrap up. I really want to be mindful of your time. There's so much more. Oh, that's okay. I want you to uh, tell people where they can find you, what you're doing, what you're working on next so that we can all like explore that. Sure. Um, You can find me at Gabby Road on Instagram, 1B. And um, I have like a, you know, I have a comic book that came out last year called Bury the Lead. I did an Audible original podcast called Apocalypse Untreated. The book is called Bad With Money. The podcast is called Bad With Money. Um, and then, yeah, just keep up with whatever pro I just shot a short film. I don't know. I'm doing, I'm trying to keep myself busy. It must be hard you're for busy. you to go like on a first date and something. Like, <laughs> so what do you do? Yeah. Tell us about yourself. And you're like, well, <laughs> I'm about to sound like an asshole. I'm just, no, I usually just say I'm a writer and then they're like, oh, okay. What do you write? Um, you're like, you're like yeah. everything. You're like, listen to yeah. this podcast. It sounds like you're not going on any first dates anymore though, because you're very happy with your person. Oh no, we're not monogamous. So, oh, okay, you know, okay. who knows? <laughs> but a lot of times the people already know who I am. Is that bad? Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, no. Cool. No, that's great. Thank you so thank much. You. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Can I do? Can I do what you usually do? Yeah, just say bye. Yay! Wow! 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 So nice. Actually, that was that was awesome. I'm, I'm making fun of you, not not the the interview. And we may have great. references too, but the fact that Gabby let us in their hotel room, yeah, and we podcasted on their not all on the same bed. We were in different yeah. beds, lying in bed together. Yeah. yeah. Under the covers, under the covers, different covers, different. Okay, yes, you're telling the truth. I'm just okay. But it was so much fun. It was. It was awesome, and she was great. Yes, I, I I think she's the kind of person that I could see. uh, We'd be invited to like a uh, an outdoor shrimp cocktail party. I think. Ooh, I like that. I like that. What would the What would the cocktail party be called? It's got a theme. What's Uh, the name? Hmm. I don't know. Maybe like Tales and Tales. Where oh, we all oh, hear stories about our oh boy. Let's okay. Gabby, please invite us. We, <laughs> we just came up with an idea. Why didn't you invite us to your Tales and Tales party? <laughs> what the hell? Come on. No, nah, she was great and we really appreciate her. Yeah. Check out all the socials. Bad with Money podcast. The podcast is very funny and cool. And even if you're good with money, you will still learn something. Yeah. Thanks okay. so much, Gabby. And until next time. Bye bye. This episode of Campfire Shit Show was produced by Bo Hufford and Meryl Climo. It was edited by Bo Hufford, and the theme song was composed and sang by your friendly camp director, me, PB and J. If you've got a question or you want to be the next camper of the week, email us at campfireshitshow at gmail.com. Say hi to Bo and Meryl on Instagram 
at Campfire Shit Show. And please don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. Well, kids, it's time to pack up the camp and put out the fire. But don't you worry. We'll see you soon on another episode of the Campfire Shit Show. Good night, kids. Sleep tight.